are in part five of our James series entitled Discovering Practical Christianity. Have you been enjoying the James series so far? Yeah, like what an amazing book. Wow, like it becomes kind of one of your favorites, right? Pastor James is absolutely incredible, and it sounds like he wrote it relevant yesterday, right? I mean, these are all things we are still wrestling with and still learning even today. All right, so I'm going to begin our time this morning by asking a question. How much time do we put into thinking through what we say? Okay, just think about that for a moment. How much time are you putting through thinking what you are saying? Now, because I would tell you, you're probably thinking a lot about what you say, but you think about it afterwards, yes? Oh, I can't believe I said that. Oh, why would I say that? That's terrible. Why would I say that? Or we would say, I can't believe that other person said that, right? Because we tend to think through after the fact. But if it is so important, and can you agree that words are powerful, yeah? Then why aren't we putting any thought into them before we say them? The fill in the blank on the sheet in front of you is this. Words can raise up or tear down. Words can raise up or tear down, Amen. Amen. The biblical way to say it is in Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now, Pastor James is going to take us into the negative side of that, like the word's ability to tear apart someone's heart. Things that have, we've said about other people or things that they've said to us, because you know there are some of us in this room, our every day is being dictated still by words spoken over us a long time ago. Those words, whether they were right or wrong, are still echoing around in our head and it's dictating our joy level, our peace level, our freedom level, right? And so we know words have gotta be really, really important. So as Pastor James takes us into the negative side of that. I want to balance that out and also talk about the positive side of that. And that's where we're going to begin in our introduction. 2006, I wrote a message for EMF or K-Love, if you're familiar with them. I taught this message out to them and their staff. And then a little later on, I kind of refashioned it and used it at Jessup, and then I refashioned it and used it at Real Life Church. And the, the reason why I, I don't tend to share a lot of messages twice, but, but this one in particular felt like it was very important from the heart of God, and it was called the prophetic voice of a leader. The prophetic voice of a leader. Now, there's some of you that came from a background, you're like, oh, prophecy, oh, I know this, I know this. This is like Nostradamus. This is like being able to predict all kinds of weird stuff, and it's like end of the world antichrist. Okay, hold up, you weirdo. <laughs> prophecy is way more normal than you might imagine. Now, is this supernatural? Yes, it is, but we're supernatural beings. We serve a supernatural God. Prophecy is very normal. As a matter of fact, it really means you are speaking on God's behalf. If you're sharing his words and his heart, you are operating in a prophetic manner. Now, I mean, it could be as basic or simple as me up here preaching the word of God. It could be you in a small group reading the word of God. That is a prophetic utterance because it is forthtelling or foretelling the word of God. Does that make sense? That's prophecy. It could be as simple as you're in a missional community and you get this download. Like they're, they're like, hey, anybody got any thoughts on this stuff? And you're like, bing, it just shows up in your head and you're like, I got something to say and I'm really not that intelligent. So I'm like pretty impressed by what I'm about to say. You know that's from God. That's prophetic. Could be as simple as giving some godly advice to a friend at a coffee shop. That's prophetic. We're going to dive into prophecy much more in our next series, so I'm not going to go too deep into it, but just keep thinking about it this way. It is sharing God's words and God's heart with other people. That's very, very important. Do you believe that God could speak through you? Yeah, two people do. Anybody else? All right, three. Good, 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 good. Okay, good. We're here all day. King David said this in 2 Samuel 23, 2, he said, the spirit of Yahweh speaks by me. His word is on my tongue. 
That's power, right? He knows full well that he's the voice box of God. He knows full well that if the Holy Spirit is upon him, and in today's world, the Holy Spirit was within us. If the Holy Spirit is within us, then he is communicating from the inside out. Would that not come through our lips? That is prophetic. So we're going to talk about the power of words. Every Christian should be sharing the heart of God, obviously, with, with everybody. But unfortunately, I don't think we take very seriously what we say. I mean, I, honestly, I feel like we just kind of say stuff. We're not even thinking through it, right? So we're saying stuff, and here's kind of our gist. Well, they knew what I meant. No, they don't know what you meant. Well, yeah, 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 like I meant this in one sense, and then, then. okay, hold on a second. People are not able to articulate and figure out what your heart means. They're, the communication is tough. It's hard, right? Like, not only are you trying to communicate one way, you're loading up a phrase or a concept, you're sending it out to them. They're unpacking it in their bias, right? Like, miscommunication is hard. We got to be thinking through what we say, right? And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, they, they, they understand, right? Like, yeah, I, I totally understand. I mean, it was probably a little off when I called her, boop. Like, what, 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 I'm sorry, what'd you call her? Well, she knows she's not a female dog. Oh, I get where you're going there. So you're telling me that she's supposed to process through that you didn't mean that, but you just said that. Oh, I get it. So what, she's gonna do all the work, right? You can mouth off and say whatever you want, and she has to figure it out. Has to figure out a way it's not gonna stick to her. Now, there are some personalities that seem like they can kind of let stuff slide off them a little easier than other personalities, but I can tell you, if we dig down, nobody can just get over it. Sometimes there are people that we deem out authorities in our life and we allow them to speak life and a trajectory, but there are some times we allow people to say garbage into our lives and we're still dealing with it today. Man, the power of words, so incredible. We're saying stuff that is not only damaging, it's flat out untrue. We're not thinking through that. Okay, let's just go back through our last verbal argument that you had, right? Your last verbal argument. Just think about it, right? Don't get all mad. I'm just saying, think about what you said because you're like, they're sitting next to me. I hate them. Okay, we're in church. Chill out. Okay. Did you say anything in that altercation that you regret? Upon reflection, did you say anything that wasn't entirely accurate? Did you convey your thoughts in the proper way and share them with grace? Probably not. Does it matter? Yeah, it matters. Shouldn't we all just be able to shake it off? Maybe, but we can't. Can we all just move on? No, we can't just move on. Your words hurt me. Your words impact me, for good or for bad. Christians are even more accountable for what they say. Not only do we have the Holy Spirit, but we are what's considered ambassadors for heaven. People should be able to go, if a Christian says it, I can take it to the bank. If a Christian says it, that's probably what God thinks. But boy, we are not taking that seriously, are we? Right? Oh, we're gonna do this, right? Like, I'm gonna tell you that I really need you to listen to me carefully because I'm sharing the truth of the gospel that Jesus Christ is legit, he's historical, he's alive and active today, and then you're just barfing political garbage on everybody else and yelling at them for their viewpoints. And they're supposed to figure out which part of you they're listening to? Well, they're supposed to sort that, yeah? Well, you know, that's like a compartmentalized part of my life. And I... No, it's not, Here's what they think of you. You're part nice, good Christian and part a monster, and they don't know which part to listen to, so you're just untrustworthy. I can't listen to a word you say because you're just so mean sometimes and so nice sometimes. I don't even know which way to track with you, so I'm just gonna avoid you. Whoa, 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 you're an ambassador for heaven. You don't get to just get written off. You have important things to say, but if you're going to abuse it, people have to filter you. They have to watch out for you. Our words can carry life or death. The message that I wrote about the prophetic voice of a leader was centered around Ezekiel 37, and it's the story of the Valley of Dry Bones. I don't know if you've ever heard this, but if you haven't, boy, what a weird story. It is like a total horror movie, right? 
So I'm gonna kind of recap that for you. And we're all praying it was a vision. It doesn't say it was a vision. It actually says, Ezekiel said, and God took me and put me in a valley where there was tons of dead people's bones. Like they were all scattered everywhere. It was like there had been a massive war and all those people had died a long time ago. Their bones were all, you know, God's taking them through. Hey, look, more bones, more bones, more bones. It's like, the, yeah, this is a fun tour. Thank you. You're walking around and he's like, man, these are dry, dry, dry bones and you're like like if they were moist was there something different about that like I, what are you trying to say right and then he asked Ezekiel a question hey could these these bones ever come to life and Ezekiel in this brilliant response says only you know God I have no idea like your ways are different than my ways I, I don't know what a miracle looks like I, I don't know God said, I have a plan. I want you, and this is what he says, I want you to prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of Yahweh. This is what the sovereign Lord says. He said, and when you speak into the bones, they're going to come together and rise up. Whoa, that's weird. Like, oh, I don't even know if I want that to happen. That's creepy. Right? But he does that. He starts, to, he starts to speak, thus saith the Lord, and he starts to talk, and all of a sudden, rattle. Right? Like all these bones start coming together and they're connecting in, and the, the hip bones connected to the thigh bone, right? That, that, and they're all coming together, and then all of a sudden, all this, this sinew and this tendons and this tissue, which I have no idea where it's coming from, they're now, and it's all coming on top, and all of a sudden, there's just dead bodies now all over the valley floor. He's like, we're not done yet. Son of man, prophesy breath. Call upon the four winds and breathe life into their bodies that they may rise up. And he said, thus saith the Lord, thus saith God, may the wind come upon you, may breath be found in you, rise up in the name of God. Boom, they all stand up. Oh, dang. Right? Can we all agree that we're hoping that's a vision and not real? <laughs> right? Because if all those people go back home, they're like, I sold your car. <laughs> that's awkward, right? <laughs> so what was the point of this exercise with Ezekiel? The, the, the point is actually very simple. Israel's hope was gone. They were dead. There was no vibrancy, there was no vitality, there was no life in them. Anything that they ever hoped for, that had died a long, long time ago. Like, they were just dry in their spirits and then dry upon dry upon dry. And God was like, can Israel ever have a revival and come back to me? Can there ever be a movement where my people rise up? And Ezekiel was supposed to go, I don't know, God. And he's like, it can. And with what is impossible for man is possible with God. I want you, though. I want you to preach to him. I want you to prophesy to him. I want my power coursing right through you and we will raise this nation again. Sweet, that's a powerful message. What does that got to do with us? Because the manner in which he did it. God could have, and this is how we would normally assume, well, God brought me into a great valley of dry bones and then he said, step back and watch me move. And he began to call them alive. And he was putting the bones together and he was breathing life into them. And I was like, whoa. That's not how it went. How did it go? You do it. But God, but, but I'm just a man. Like I don't, yeah, I know. I'm impressive though. And I'm moving through you. I want you to do it. I want you to speak it out. You prophesy. Don't kick it back to me. I love being with my kids. I love involving my kids. I love the idea that we would partner together. I got all kinds of crazy miracles that I would love to do through you. I got all kinds of answers to prayer. I got all kinds of solutions that I would like to do through you. I can do it alone. I don't want to. I wanna work through you. 
This is amazing. When we are speaking the words of God, it's like God is speaking it. He could do it alone. He doesn't want to do it alone. When Jesus fed the 5,000 loaves and fishes, when he fed the 4,000, he didn't give them directly to the people. Do you remember that? Nobody got loaves and fishes from Jesus himself. What happened? He gave it to his disciples. They gave it to the people. Everybody got it from the team. Why? Because Jesus knew he was going to step out and he was transferring leadership over. And he's like, listen, if my kiddos give it to you, it's as good as coming from me. I am still the head. I am alive and active. They are my body. Therefore, they're the ones carrying out my will. Therefore, my power is coursing through them. My authority is coursing through them. Therefore, my children, my Christians are like I'm there. That's powerful. When God wanted to bring fire down from heaven to shut down false worship, he called a guy named Elijah to do it. Yeah? When God wanted to restore a nation, he sent his prophets. When God wanted to rule Israel, he put in his king. When God wanted to share the gospel, he tapped you on the shoulder and pointed to your neighbor. When God wants to heal someone, he gathers us to pray. Here's the point. God may want to heal somebody. God may want to save somebody. God may want to raise the dead. But he may want to use somebody, and that somebody is us. Are you willing to be used? Are you in a posture to realize that God can speak through your lips and you can breathe the life of God into somebody? Or do you think that he just does that apart from us? You are the plan. Yeah? I think how we talk to our kids really, really matters, yeah? I think there's a way that we need to talk to our kids. You know, we talk about this phrase, we're raising our kids. I, I see a lot of tearing down. I'm not so sure I see a lot of raising. Let me give you some, some parenting advice. Now, this is a, there's a caveat, a caveat that you always must use whenever I give you parenting advice. It's actually not coming from me because I'm actually pretty lame at it. I'm ripping it off from my wife. <laughs> Let's be very clear here. If there's anything smart... Yeah, 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 it came from her. Okay, so I'm going to quote Susie here. You speak a vision into your children to live up to. How do you do it? It's very practical. It's very simple. Let's say, for example, the little one gets hurt and runs over and hugs her sister, and you go, man, sissy, did you see that? She wanted to run to you. You're safe. Like, you're her, I guess she feels like you're her protector, can you believe that? You're strong enough. You're her protector. Boom, her eyes light up. I'm a what? I'm a protector. never even thought about that. What are you talking? That's a vision. You are not making stuff up. If you start making stuff up, they're going to see right through it and just go, yeah, I don't trust you. I'm talking about saying real, legit things that God has sown a seed in, but you can see the potential that God is going to breathe life into it, right? So for example, man, you are such a good helper with dad. I can't believe how much you're able to help me. That's so sweet of you. Now you're speaking that they're a helper and they're living into that. And then you start going, man, did you, did you figure out the answer to your by yourself. Well, yeah, I did. You are so smart. Oh my goodness. Man, that is so great. You figured it out by yourself. All you're doing is casting vision all over the place and it's raising the level of their trajectory. But many of us heard stuff like, you're never gonna amount to anything. You're worthless, you're useless. Can't believe you're stupid. Why would you even say that? Nobody would say that if they had any brain in their head, right? Are you saying that stuff? You're saying that to other people. Because you're casting a vision in the wrong direction. We can't do that. And you think it's just with your kids. It's not just with your kids. It's you and your friends, right? Like you're speaking into your friend's life and you're trying to be like, hey, you know what? I'm seeing something of God in you. The way that you pray for me, you have like this compassionate heart when you pray. I just want to call it out. You're not making it up. You're just calling it out. That's how we do it. We bring life. Now, in our family, we use a phrase because all of us, I think all humans want best friends, right? Man, I would love to find a best friend. I would love to find a best friend. Okay, best friends are super hard to find. 
okay? Just for all of us. So that's way too heavy of a, a weight to bear, right? Are you my best friend, right? So we have to knock it down a little bit, and here's what we tell our kids, and we tell each other. Look for life-giving people. Life-giving people. Who's speaking life? Who is acting in a way that builds you up and doesn't tear you down? Look for life-giving people because if you have life-giving people around you, it's possible one of those could become your friend and one of those could probably become a best friend. But you're not having this heavy weight on you of trying to make sure they're perfect. There are no perfect people out there. But there are life-giving people and there's life-stealing people. You know what I'm talking about? Have life-giving people around you. So there is a possibility to raise people up by speaking on God's behalf and using our words intentionally to build up. On the other hand, there is the ability to destroy. And that's what Pastor James wants to walk us into. Would you turn with me to the book of James, chapter 3, verse 1. James, chapter 3, verse 1. It is about page 1012. If you're following along in the ESV, we have one under the seat in front of you. If you don't have one here today, maybe you're looking at it as an app. But if you're looking at a physical Bible, it's about page 1012. That'll get you there a little bit faster. James, chapter 3, verse 1. Now, I want to give a disclaimer James is a little intense here. James seemed to be pretty ticked off, and I'm not quite sure why, but he's talking about the tongue in some pretty vicious language, and I guess I would venture to guess that he has seen people hurt others with their words. He's seen leaders use words, and it creates church wounds. He's probably seen people gossip about one another. He's probably seen people tear down each other, and and probably as a pastor, his heart hurts. And he's really intense. So he's going to come in hot. He'll start out a little bit gentle and get really intense really fast. Now, the reason why I'm telling you that is that my style of preaching is already a little sparky. But what I try to do is I try to match the author. I try to match the intensity of the author. And so you're like, wow, Pastor Lance is mad today. Okay, I'm not mad today. I'm not mad at you. I'm just matching the subject matter. As a matter of fact, it's so nice to be able to teach this message when there's no other agenda. You know what I mean? Like, this isn't a current problem in our church that I'm hearing about where everybody's gossiping and being mean to each other and all Man, a lot of us just don't even know each other well enough to hurt each other, right? Right, but I'm not hearing like that's a big problem at Bridgeway right now. So there's no, I'm not trying to say something sneaky. I'm just teaching the word of God, but he comes in pretty intense, all right? So let's go ahead and take a look at what he has to say. He starts out nice. Verse one, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters, For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, now he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Okay, pause. What did he say? Not many of us should want to be teachers because teachers have greater accountability. All right, what's a teacher? Well, really, it's anyone verbally communicating influence. Yeah, that's really what a teacher is. We could talk about a teacher in a classroom, teacher here in church, but really teacher is anyone that has influence. Now in a, in a Jewish culture, the most famous teachers were called rabbis. Like these were the people that were in the, the village or in the town and everybody would go to them for truth. Rabbi, tell me what life is really like. Uh, Rabbi, we are having a debate. What is the right answer? Rabbi, right? So they were these people of influence. In the Greek culture, they were very much into philosophy. This whole concept that they would come up and be great orators, and they would talk about a new way of seeing the world, and it could kind of be like this, and people would leave and go, I never even saw the world that way. They were world creators with their words. So everybody was like, dang, those are all the celebrities of the day. Why is it a big deal? Influence. Influence is power. So he says, hey guys, you don't want to be one of those unless you're called. You think God's not coming in hot on you. 
You think he's not coming up on accountability, that you have the ability to impact somebody else's life. You have the ability to change somebody else's trajectory. You have the ability to influence in such a significant way, they're gonna do what you say. You think I'm not gonna hold you accountable for that? Not many of you should be teachers. Nowadays, in social media land, we actually use the phrase influencers. Everybody wants to be an influencer. Oh, I want to be an influencer. I want to be an influencer. Why? Because it's a place of power, and it makes you feel good about yourself because somebody is taking you seriously. They're putting weight upon what you say. That makes you feel important. So everyone's like, I want to be an influencer. I want to be an influencer. He's like, stop. Unless God has given you a grace to be an influencer, you're going to hurt somebody. He knew anywhere there's power, it's going to draw in people of various motives, right? I mean, some people are, are, are doing it with good heart and some people are not, right? He's like, careful. Now, because I've known this since childhood and I got called to the ministry very early, I developed what I would call a healthy paranoia. Healthy paranoia means I overanalyze everything. I take this pulpit so seriously. You are literally giving me your attention to speak into your lives. You think God's not coming at me with that? You think that he's not going to go, don't you dare say something I didn't say. This is not your agenda day, Lance. This is my agenda day. So man, I'm overanalyzing beforehand. Then afterwards, I'm like, well, what about the attitude? Were you doing that for fleshly reasons or for spiritual reasons? And I'm just analyzing, analyzing, analyzing. Why? I know I'll be held to a very strict standard. But if you think that mantle only applies to me, I think you're fooling yourself. God holds you accountable for wherever you have influence. If you have influence in your friend group, if you have influence in your family, if you have influence at your workplace, if you are a supervisor, if you have any influence, God will come up and go, don't you use that for selfishness. Don't you use that to hurt anybody. I put you into that place so that you would love on people and lift them up, not tear them down. Be very careful how you use your influence, right? That was his whole point. Then he says something that's kind of encouraging in my mind. Now, I'm pulling it a little bit out of context, but I, I love it when big dogs say this phrase. He said, we all stumble in many ways. This is James, the brother of Jesus, the pillar of the church, the first bishop of the Jerusalem church. They're, they're like, you don't get any more powerful than this dude in Christianity early on. And he's like, guys, we all struggle. I love that authenticity where he's like, hey guys, I've never asked you for perfection. Jesus didn't ask you for perfection. He's like, I need the intention of your heart to surrender to me and let's keep growing, but you're in process. Uh, he's not constantly going, I can't believe you messed up. He knows you're human. He's like, you guys, we all are broken people in a broken world. Let us cut ourselves some slack, but we need to lean into what is healthy, right? And then he says this, if you could control what you say, dude, everything else is cake. Like this one right here is the hard one, right? So let's talk about that. Let's pick it up in verse three. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also, though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. What's the obvious point? Little tiny piece, big impact. Small tongue, big impact, right? I don't, I don't think that's too hard for us to, to figure out. But I, I wanna talk about this for a moment to make it a little bit more alive, okay? So quick show of hands, how many of you have ever ridden a horse? Anybody ever ride a horse? Wow, a lot of you, wow, cowboy land, okay? <laughs> now here's the deal, I've ridden a horse on many different occasions, but I am not a horse rider. Okay, let's be very clear on that. I do like wimpy horse riding, okay? So I do think, let me give you a story. So way back when Susie and I were first married, when I used to be romantic and she was happy. <laughs> it was a long time ago. Anyway, 
So, so back when I did a really nice thing, we went on a trip to uh, Half Moon Bay and we were gonna go horseback riding. We kind of planned this ahead of time. We're gonna go horseback riding on the beach. Doesn't that sound beautiful? Oh, it's so nice, right? So I, I decided that we're gonna go do this. Now, I'm an animal fanatic, yes? I've been very clear with you and honest, animals are better than people, okay? I've been very fair with you, right? I understand I don't run an animal congregation, that's just because of the calling of the Lord. I think that's where my heart is, but I'm here with you. Anyway, so I love animals. And so I was a little saddened when I drive up to this place and all the corral is out there by the street. And I, go, and I drive in and I was like, oh, these horses have seen better days. Right? I mean, it was like a bunch of Eeyores. Like there were some that had a tail pinned on. Right? And, and that, like, there was a glue factory down the street, and some of them were going that way. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was so sad. Like, I would look at them, and some of them, like, their backs, I was like, who rode you? They're like, Whoom. you know what I mean? I was like, wow, there's some serious damage here. Like, these guys are all super sad. And I was like, I don't want to give these people my money. And then I thought, I want to stay married. So I gave them my money, and we, and we went on, right? And they, were like, they brought out the horses, and, and this is the, the funny part. So they bring out a little Eeyore for Susie, because she's like a little person, and then I'm like 6'3", and they're like, hmm, he'll break an Eeyore. <laughs> so we're going to give him a kind of normal horse, okay? So they bring out a normal horse for me, which means he was really broken in spirit, but not really in his, in his body. His name was Emerald. I will never forget this. Emerald was my horse. So there I was, and it was important that my horse was bigger than my wife so that I could be on the high horse. You understand what I'm tracking? Okay, cool, cool, cool. Anyway, so I'm, I, I'm on this, and this is when I knew that these horses uh, had had kind of a rough existence. They go, okay, you guys can take off. Question, are you not coming with us? They're like, no, we're good. I was like, what do you mean we're good, right? Like, this doesn't speak rodeo to you, does it? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. They're like, the horse knows. <laughs> oh, snap, right? So I'm like, hey, this is what happened, right? The horse is like, we go down this path. <laughs> we turn right at the water, and then we turn right at the path, and then we come back home and I eat. That's how it works. And I was like, oh, that's so sad, right? They don't even need any guide, because the horse is like, I've never turned left. It sounds nice. So I'm on Emerald, right? She's on little Eeyore. And so we head on down and we're going down to the, and we turn right and we're, we're on this beautiful, oh, look at us riding on the beach and all this stuff, right? We, there were no cell phones back then, right? So I couldn't just like post it everywhere, right? <laughs> but you have to trust me. Okay, anyway, it's super cool. So we come around the corner and we're about to head home and a car backfires. Anybody know what a car backfire sounds like? Yes. Gunshot is what it sounds like. Dude, I kid you not. Emerald lit up like the Hulk. He turned from Eeyore into like, yeah! You know, I was like, whoa! What a, he jumped off the ground. I am on him. He has zero interest, doesn't even know I exist right now. He's like, boing, jumps right off the ground, lands, takes off going, I'm going home! And he is running as fast as he possibly can. I'm like, ah! I'm just hanging on. And then he's back safe. It was at that moment I realized that is 1,500 pounds of muscle. And I was like, oh, I thought I was in control. He's like, as long as I want you to be. But it's so interesting that this little bit, this thing in his mouth, you're steering his head and where his head goes, the horse he goes. So you're like doing these amazing things on a massive animal. Such a small part, such a big impact. Such a small word, such a big impact. He likens it in the next verse to a forest fire. Do we have any experience with forest fires? Such a small spark, so much loss. Loss of life, loss of property, loss of dreams, loss of hopes. Such a tiny spark, so much damage. Just one comment, just one gossip, just one, right? So much damage, so much devastation. Pick it up in 
verse eight, excuse me, six. And the tongue is a fire a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and it itself is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Well, James, tell us how you really feel. Right? Like, this is pretty intense. Power of words. Two frogs were walking down the street. Excuse me, down a path. Pause. This is not a true story. <clears throat> Unpause. There were two frogs, and they were friends, and they were going down a pathway, and they fell into a pit, right? They fell into a super deep pit, and they're like, oh my goodness. So they're trying to jump and get out of the pit, and it's just not working. But then they start yelling in froggy language, whatever froggy language is. And so they're yelling, they're like, ah, oh, I can't get out of here. And so they're a little crowd of other frogs, like frog community, they all come around the top, and they're all looking down. They're like, oh, you got to jump higher, right? There. And so they're trying to jump. And then eventually they all realize these guys are never getting out of there. So then they like turn on them. They're like, you might as well accept your fate. Like you're never getting out of there. Might as well lay down. All you're doing is wasting your energy. And they're just like yelling down at him. And one of the frogs is like, maybe they're right. And he just lays over and, uh, and he dies. The other frog is like, ah, he's still jumping, right? And he's still trying. And they're like going, dude, you need to mellow out. You're never going to get out. All you're doing is just wasting your energy. It looks sad from here, man. You just need to call it. Finally, one last explosive, boom, leap. He jumps all the way out and lands on the outside. They're like, oh my gosh, how in the world did you do that? How did you keep going when we were constantly, I feel kind of bad now, but I was just like, dude, you're gonna die, right? How did you keep going? Reading their lips, he's like, what? I'm deaf. He's like, uh, all I know is that you guys kept cheering so I guess you guys thought, saw something I didn't know, and I kept trying. Can we make the attachment that there are some things in life we ought to be deaf to? The lies of the enemy? Is there something we should be alive to, listening to? The voice of the Father? You guys, the power of words that one believed, well, maybe I didn't see something. Maybe they know something. And maybe I should take hope. That's power. But when everybody is saying to you, there's no point, you're not good enough, you start to believe they know what they're talking about. But here's the truth. They didn't make you. They don't know your future. They don't know your potential. They don't know your power. They have no idea what they're talking about. Only one does, and he's your creator. He knows what you're capable of. He knows what he's capable of through you. Therefore, only your heavenly father can truly tell you your worth, your value, your purpose. Amen? We got to soak in that. We got to soak in it. He said, the tongue is set on fire by hell. What does he mean by that? Because he doesn't clarify, right? So, does he mean that our tongues are being used by Satan and the bad guys? Like we're helping Satan do his job by tearing other people down. Is that what it means? Maybe, right? Does he mean that disobedience to God, which will ultimately lead us to hell, that whole rejection and selfishness, that's what's happening with our tongues? Does he mean that being in a broken world with so much pain and so much dysfunction of what reason of why hell is the way it is, is that what makes us harmful? I don't know. But don't kind of all those fit? And you're like, yeah, kind of, all, all of it, right? He said, if you really want to know why I'm so intense, if you really want to know my biggest problem with words, it's the next verse. This is my concern. Verse 9. For with our tongue we bless the Lord, our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, these things ought not be so. 
Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? No, of course not. Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, bear olives? No. Can a grapevine produce figs? No. Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. It's not right. It's distorting reality. That's not how it goes. So what in the world is going on with your mouth? Oh, I'm in church, oh, praise the Lord. On the way home, you're slicing and dicing your family with insults. What, you think that's cool? You think God's not gonna come up on you on that? Oh, I'm gonna pray and I'm praying about this other person and yet I'm derogatorily slamming my spouse and tearing them down on a daily basis. What, the same stuff is coming out of the same location. You got goodness, you got horridness and it's all coming out of the same place. You think that's not spinning people's heads? You think they don't even know what to do with this? Why? Because it doesn't sound right. Sounds like something's wrong with reality. You can't do that. I know it is happening. I'm telling you it's not right. Shouldn't we think it's a bigger deal than it is? We have two great responsibilities as Christians. One is representing God well with our words. The other is building up the creation that he loves. You cannot be my friend and hate my children. You cannot be my friend and actively harm my children. Let's be real clear here. And I think I picked that up from God, right? So let's take away all the noise. Okay, let's boil it all down. Why do we say mean things? Uh, uh, right, why do we say mean things to each other? I'm gonna to venture to say it's probably different in different scenarios, right? It's different in different seasons of life. It's different for different personalities. Why are we saying mean things? Here's a couple reasons why I think we do. Sometimes it's jealousy. We feel yucky inside and we don't want other people to get ahead and do well. We want them to hurt too. It bothers us that they would say something snarky to us, then go on about their lives feeling good. We're like, oh, heck no. I have to say something mean to you to knock you down. So now we're both wounded. Right? Sometimes it's jealousy. Sometimes it's selfishness. We want more good stuff in our lives and people keep screwing it up. We're trying to have a good day and then our kids mess it up. Oh, then we're trying to have a good home life and then our spouse keeps messing it up, right? And then we're trying to be cool at home. We already have a hard time at school and then our parents say another annoying, nagging thing and it's ruining, you're ruining my good stuff. Stop it and I'm gonna do whatever I can to shut you down. That's, that's selfishness. You're ruining my good. Sometimes it's pride. Someone agitates us and we feel contempt for them. How dare you say that to me? Who are you? I deserve to be doing well. You don't, you don't have the right to say those things to me. I'm offended. Hold up. Slaves don't get offended as easily as kings. You understand what I'm talking about? Like, why are we so offended all the time? Because what, we're such a big deal? You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we lash out because we literally feel like we're kings and queens. And those commoners would say that to me. They don't know who I am. Oh, that's not gonna go well, right? But sometimes... We say mean things because we're speaking out of our woundedness. You guys have all heard the popular phrase, hurt people hurt people? Yeah, that's, that's legit. The reason why it's so popular is everybody sees it and they go, yep, that's true, right? We have so much pain we can't handle anymore, right? Like imagine you had this huge bruise on your arm that had been aching for weeks and you were at your wit's end and somebody bumps it in the store. You wanna just rip them apart. They didn't intend it, but you have too much hurt. It's like that wounded animal syndrome, right? Like my leg is broken, I don't care if you intend to try to be nice to me, get away from me. Don't get near me, I will bite your head off. Okay, so real quick question, are you an angry person? 
Like, I, I don't know who's an angry person and who's not an angry person because some of y'all, you verbally lash out, but some of you just like stuff it and you're like a burning, boiling cauldron, right? But it's all internal. If you are a super angry person, I can tell you this. If you dig down far enough, here's what you're gonna find out. You're super hurt and disappointed in someone or something. You are never going to have less anger until the core issue is handled. As Christians, we have a responsibility to deal with our brokenness. Man, that's just my personality. Nope, you're a Christian. Well, that's just my trauma. Nope, you're a Christian. Work on it. Nobody said you had to be perfect, but we did say you gotta bring it to the feet of Jesus and we gotta keep walking towards health. So here's how we're gonna close. I'm gonna pray two prayers. The first one, I'm not gonna have anybody stand for because I know it applies to 100% of the people that can hear my voice. And here's this prayer. God, I've said some really mean things to people and I gotta own it. There's nobody that doesn't apply to, right? Okay, so we're gonna pray that one. The second prayer, I'm gonna ask in the prayer if you would stand up if it applies to you and that prayer is going to be about Lord, somebody said something to me, could have been decades ago. I am still living it every day. There's still hurt and disappointment and negativity in my life because of those words. And Lord, I wanna be set free. Yeah? We're gonna pray some freedom today. All right, let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you today in honesty in this holy moment and we ask that you would hear our confession. God, we have said some really mean things. Lord, we have torn people down. We've spoken anger. We've spoken jealousy. We've spoken pride. We've spoken woundedness. And God, we have wrecked some people, not just for their day. Lord, some of us have set people on fire in the wrong direction. And God, we own it. We've spent so much time trying to justify why we said it. We weren't willing to acknowledge that no matter why, they're still hurting. So right now, in this moment of revelation, we own it. God, forgive us. After this, we're gonna have to figure out, Lord, how, and we ask that you would lead and guide us, how do we reconcile? How do we apologize? How do we make it right? But for right now, between you and us, God, we are not hiding it anymore. We are not excusing it anymore. Lord, we were absolutely wrong. Your word says that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We are seeking your cleansing healing that we might turn over a new leaf and begin to walk from this place speaking words of life. Forgive us. Now, who here today is still allowing the words of someone else to dictate your joy level, your freedom level, your peace level? Who is still walking out woundedness from words that people have said to you? Stand up, please. We're gonna pray for you. Okay. Who else? It could have been a long time ago. It could have been last week. It could have been yesterday but you feel like you're living it over and over and over again. They stop saying it, but you keep hearing it. All right, let's pray. Holy Spirit, we stand as a testament to say, God, we are so tired of hurting. We are so tired of believing lies. We are so tired of hearing that garbage go over and over and over like a broken record. Lord God, we ask that you, in the name of Jesus, would replace the lies with truth. Lord, it doesn't even matter if it was true or not. It wounded us, and we have felt wrecked ever since. God, we have a hard time seeing your potential for us. We have a hard time seeing what is good, because all we can see is the bad. People have said stuff about how we look, about how 
we are worth nothing. They've said things that tell us that we are not meaningful. Lord, they have said things that people would not love us. They've said horrible things to us. And God, we need to be free. I'm tired of them ruining my day. I'm tired of every day having to wake up, look in the mirror, and listen to them say the same thing. They stopped saying it a long time ago. God, I, I pray that you would heal me, that you would refresh me, that you would cleanse me, that you would take out, Lord, just everyone standing here, that you would take out all that yuck, all that garbage, all the stuff that has been shaping our identity in the wrong way, and remind us, God, of your glory. Remind us of your love. Remind us that we are cherished. Remind us that we are sweet in your eyes. Remind us, God, that we are your children. Remind us, Lord, that we are in process, and you're not done with us yet. Remind us, Lord, that other other people don't know what they're talking about. Remind us, God, that you are the one that defines who we are. Remind us that you would die for us on the cross, Jesus, if we were the only person on the planet. Remind us, Lord, that we are beautiful in your sight and you know what you made and you know why we're necessary. Remind us that we are not defined by our flaws or our failures, but we are defined by your love. Remind us, God, that we are glorious to you and allow those other things to fall away. They are not lifting us up. They don't sound like you, God. They're stealing our dreams and our hopes and they're crushing our spirit. Holy Spirit, would you just minister to us right now? Put the pieces back together. Put in the ones we're missing Put in the ones that we ran away from and let your truth set us free in the name of Jesus. You may be seated. God, we continue on in our prayer. There were some of us, Lord, that were, were so broken that we couldn't even stand. There's some of us, Lord, that the person that hurt us was sitting right next to us and we didn't wanna cause waves. There's a bunch of reasons. God, I just pray that every heart that was hurting here today was touched by you. God, we simply can't see ourselves the way you see us. We have let way too many opinions, some of them were our own self-condemnation, define us. So God, I just pray right now that you would heal us. Pray right now that, Lord, as we emerge from this place, more grace-filled, more washed, more rinsed, more joyful, more lighthearted, God, that we would go out and we would use our words rightly, that we would be those life-giving people, lifting up the ones around us and glorifying your name. We thank you, Lord, for loving us so deeply and being so patient in our mess. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.